Support for MindShift comes from Landmark College, offering a fully online graduate-level certificate in learning differences and neurodiversity programs. Visit landmark.edu slash certificate to learn more. Hi there, I'm Randa Dilfettah from ThruLine. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. From KQED. You're listening to MindShift, the podcast where we explore the future of learning and how we raise our kids. I miss school. I miss my friends. I miss my teachers. They're human and they have big hearts, but they've been taught to shut them down. And I think that's the scariest thing I see. I was going through the lessons and I was like, this is ridiculous. I'm Katrina Schwartz. And I'm Ki Sung. Today, we're going to talk about being a man. Men deal with things on their own. They don't need support from anyone else. Big boys don't cry. You have to be strong. You have to not show emotion. Shut up and do it. You have to be, like, protective of those around you. If I'm feeling something, then something's wrong with me. These are pretty well-known stereotypes, and some would say kind of outdated. But many teachers still see boys push down their feelings, not wanting to be vulnerable and ask for help. And in the data, we see that a lot of boys aren't doing that well. Boys are suspended and expelled more often than girls. And when we look at who's been diagnosed as emotionally disturbed, it's over 70% boys. While there are a lot of factors that influence the data, some teachers and psychologists suspect that emotional intelligence is a leg up that could help students succeed. So today, I want to tell you how some teachers have found ways to get boys more in touch with their emotions, and how they've seen these emotional skills leading to students doing better in school and life. Some have found these experiences so valuable that they're continuing this kind of work, even during shelter in place. Let me introduce you to an educator who has been finding ways to meet the needs of young men for the past 16 years, Ashanti Branch. He's a fierce advocate for his students and founder of the Ever Forward Club. It's a club where young men can get all kinds of support for struggles at home, at school, and in their communities. I met up with him just before the coronavirus closed everything down. Hello. Hi. I didn't shake your hand or anything because I don't want to, like, spread viruses. But... Right on, right on. Cheers <laughs> to that. This is the weirdest. Ashanti's got a big heart and a booming laugh, and he gives 100% to the kids he works with. When he was first starting out, he noticed a number of his students just weren't succeeding in his class, and he wanted to know why. First year teacher, I'm doing a horrible job. Like, I know my math. I love my work. I'm, done, I'm not reaching the students like that I want to. And I'm mostly not reaching the young men. And so I invited some young men to lunch. I said, look, I'll buy you lunch once a week. In exchange for lunch, teach me how to be a better teacher. Like, what am I doing wrong? Like, I know math. I like you. But 
The fact that that is not working, something I'm doing wrong. Yeah, I mean, technically, you know. Those eight boys lured in by a pizza lunch would be the first students in the Ever Forward Club. They told him that being school smart wasn't cool, and he understood the need high school boys have to fit in. But he also saw another need, one he thought he could fix. What I realized what they needed was what I needed in high school. I need a space to just be human. And to be like, I'm going through stuff and I don't get to talk about it. I'm trying to pretend like everything's great. Everything's not. I'm struggling. Ashanti saw some of his own story in these boys. He grew up in Oakland. His dad died before he was born. I have a picture of myself cooking, making pancakes one morning. My sister's over here on the side and my brother's in his little walker. And I was, that's what I had to do Saturday mornings. You get up, you get the house clean. You got to take care of your sibling. Like, I had responsibilities. He was the oldest kid, and his mom needed help. But he never told anyone at school what a burden that was. To this day, I think about like how challenging growing up was. It was, it was hard. It was, I was angry. I was angry a lot. I don't know if it was anger or sad. Probably both. I think like, why me? Why do I gotta take care of all these other people? Today I look back and I'm thankful for all the skills I got out of that, but while I was going through it, it was was some lonely days. Ashanti says at the very least, it would have been nice to know he wasn't alone. He started the Ever Forward Club almost by accident. He just gave the kids what they needed, what he wished he'd had growing up. It's high expectation that you're going to do well and, and do good in class. And when there's not, my, my, it's high support to make sure you figure out where you're not doing showing up strong. The club continued to meet at lunch. Ashanti kept bringing pizzas. But he was also helping boys with their schoolwork, facilitating circles to talk about stuff going on at home, even showing up at students' houses if they skipped school. He wanted them to know they were missed. What if you didn't show up for weeks and no one ever even noticed you left? That, I was like, unacceptable. That ferocious attention paid off. All the boys in Ashanti's first ever forward club graduated from high school, even the ones no one thought would make it. Ashanti had built strong relationships with those kids over time. They trusted him, but he wanted new opportunities to grow himself, and he wanted to have a more systemic impact. I became a dean at my former high school, Fremont High. He continued to do this type of work with young men at Fremont High, but the trust that's the foundation for this kind of work wasn't there immediately. They just lie to each other. We do check-ins every week, and they just lie. Everyone's a 10. Ashanti knew that wasn't true. Their discipline records proved it. But like so many teachers, he was having trouble getting through to them. Until he came up with this activity, which was captured in the documentary, The Mask You Live In. So I want you to take one of the masks, take the mask. He'd never done this activity before and wasn't sure it would work. Here's what we're going to do. On this mask, you're going to draw what represents you. What are some things that you hold up every day when you walk to school that you let people see? Ashanti thought maybe they'd open up if they didn't have to share out loud. And then on the back, I want you to write, what is it you don't let people see? Like, what's behind the mask? When they were done writing, the boys balled up their masks and threw them across the circle, so no one would know whose was whose. Don't don't leave your seat. Don't leave your seat. You can't leave your seat. Open it up. Okay. 
So who wants to reveal what's on the mask they open? Read out loud, just the front. Funny, caring, and happy. Okay. What's behind the mask? Sadness and fear. Sadness and fear. Goofy, kindness, happiness, silliness, smile, and fun. Okay. On the back? Anger. Anger. Okay. The mask activity worked so well, Ashanti wrote it up as a lesson plan and put it online so other teachers could do it too. It's become the thing Ever Forward is best known for. This campaign was started not to tell people they shouldn't have masks. It was to say, hey, do you know that other people are wearing them? He hopes by doing the mask activity, kids everywhere, no matter their neighborhood or socioeconomic background, will know they aren't alone. It's his way of spreading a tiny bit of the Ever Forward spirit more widely. Katrina, it seems like people would have to be careful with these kinds of activities because, I mean, it takes a lot of trust for kids to open up like this. Ashanti would say the same thing. He'd been working with those Fremont High boys for months before they did that exercise. But Ashanti has found the mask activity is a nice way of showing adults how much is going on in kids' lives. Because he's found not many schools are ready to commit to intensive groups like the ones he's been running. Most people were like, why do you have a club for young men? They, boys have everything. Ashanti points to academic performance, unhealthy relationships, and a prison population that's over 90% male. They don't have any emotional language. They don't have any emotional tools. They, all they know is anger. Funny, anger. I say you got a tickler and you got a hammer. And most of them, when a tickler doesn't work, they pull out the hammer. Many factors go into the making of a statistic. But Ashanti believes the limited emotional range society accepts in men is handcuffing them. Some of you are using hammers on things that need like a screwdriver. A teacher tells you something you don't like. It just needs a little, hey, teacher, I don't like you talking to me like that, okay? You put up a hammer, and now you didn't ruin the relationship. You didn't ruin your connection to this class. The teacher's now afraid of you. You're now kicked out of the class. Like like, how do we help them learn how to use more tools? You know, this sounds like a lot of extra work on top of teaching a math class. And not every teacher can or wants to do this much extra work, no matter how much they love their students. Yeah, Ashanti was running this on the side, based on what he could see the kids needed. And he wasn't getting the support he needed. I remember just feeling so, like, sometimes, like, overwhelmed. But I really was like, I didn't know any better. I didn't know know any better but to give 100%. Overwhelmed. You know, this is such a common story with early career teachers who pour all their energy into their students. And Ashanti was balancing the club, teaching, stressing about fundraisers and getting through all his paperwork. He was stretched too thin. There was this one day in class where it became too much. He felt something a lot like a heart attack. I remember ambulance coming and people were like, what's going on? You could hear kids outside. I'm like, I don't want them to see me like this. He was having a panic attack. Ambulance came in, they put me on, they rolled me out. I heard students like freaking out outside. I just didn't want to look at anybody. I felt really sad, I felt weak. How do you, how do you let this happen? I felt small. I felt so many things. I remember going down the freeway, like watching the, the signs backwards and I remember getting into the emergency room and they put me in the room. And then all of a sudden, um, sometime in the next couple of hours, I heard, we're to see Mr. Branch. And I was like, what the heck? 
and it was uh, two Ever Forward Club members. It was the first of several panic attacks that helped convince Ashanti he needed to leave the classroom to focus on Ever Forward. If you told me as a first-year teacher, Ashanti, it sounds like you're starting a nonprofit. I would have said to you, that doesn't sound like a good idea. I mean, how do you get more nonprofit than teaching? Coming up, find out what it takes for this teacher to expand his vision beyond the classroom and to hear what a spin-off group sounds like. Stay with us. All over the country, we need to improve reading in Wisconsin. Schools are changing the way they teach reading. I'm calling for a renewed focus on literacy. We have gotten this wrong in New York and all across the nation. And it's happening because of a podcast. I think your podcast has changed my life. And I'm going to share this podcast with everyone I meet. Sold a Story investigates how teaching kids to read went wrong. New episodes of Sold a Story are available now. Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. So where we left off, the Ever Forward Club has been around for several years, but most of that time it was just Ashanti doing the work with kids in his school. Now he wants to spread the program? Right, but it's been hard. Cash-strapped schools have limited dollars for professional development and a lot of competing priorities. Many schools only have a couple male teachers who have time or interest in mentoring boys this way. But that doesn't mean they aren't out there. The check-in question is, what do you wish your teacher knew about you? Carlos Velasquez leads one of the few other Ever Forward clubs. He's an instructional coach at Academy of Alameda in a small city just outside of Oakland, California. As a male teacher of color, he sees the importance of holding space for boys of color at his school. The thing I wish the teachers knew about me is on tests and quizzes, I stress out a lot. Under normal circumstances, Carlos meets with this group of middle school boys four times a week. Since the coronavirus shut down their school all spring, Carlos is trying to recreate those meetings virtually. He knows students are worrying about family members getting sick and are still adjusting to distance learning. It's challenging in the best of times to get these boys to open up. Online, it's even harder. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How's that? Have you felt any similar feelings in the, with the distance learning? Yeah. Um, I had a quiz today. Like, I've been studying a lot, yeah. but I still feel like I'm rushing, and then I'm taking too long, and then I question my answers a lot, so it just makes it even worse. For a lot of these boys, this group is one of the only places where it's safe to show how they're feeling, and it's not natural to them. They can be pretty rowdy sometimes. 
because they're coming out of where, wherever class that they're coming in from, they bring in that energy. Carlos uses a ritual to help create a space that feels outside of school. They always start with the In La Kesh poem. You, you are, are my, my other me. me. If, if I, I do, do harm, harm to you, you, I do harm to myself. I do harm to myself. Once we sit down and, and the, the boy says the first line of the poem, you just see like a snap. It's really nice. And I think that helps to create that space of getting them out of acting, of the way that they're acting outside into this, what we call sacred space. If, if I, I love, love and respect, respect you, you, I love and respect myself. I love and respect myself. The first time I remembered that I felt that I was safe to share in the group was when um, one of the boys, they shared something about their home life, something that like they ne- would never share in any circumstance. That was what first gave me like a lot of trust in the group. Angel is an eighth grader in Carlos's Ever Forward group. At first, he worried the other kids would use what he shared against him. I've been through a lot last year. A lot of traumatizing events happened. My house burned down for one. It, it was a lot. But they've been surprisingly supportive. In the group, they would all like teach me ways like to relax myself because I would always stress myself out too much. He says he feels less alone, knowing he has a place he can share his feelings. Carlos doesn't expect these boys to change right away. He knows that for many of them, acting differently from the norm could make them targets for bullying. I'm well aware that like conditioning and socialization is like, it's super heavy. Like they, these kids are getting messages of what it means to be a man constantly. And so like, I know that I'm going against that. And so for me, my hope for them is that there's a seed that seeds get planted that show them that, yes, there is another way for a man to be in this world. So how might this work at home? I mean, how can parents show their kids emotional vulnerability without making life harder? Well, don't underestimate how important it is to offer that safe space at home. If boys have experiences where they can show a different side of themselves, then they'll have something to build on later. Carlos says the messages his parents gave him growing up stuck with him. When I think about being a parent, Carlos and his wife are about to have their first child. I think about the words that, are, that I'm going to tell my kid are going to be the words that are going to be in their head. It's going to be their voice for the rest of their life. That brings me to another thought. I mean, I know a lot of people, both teachers and parents, think this kind of stuff is better suited for home. The trouble with that is we don't all have parents who know how to talk about feelings or who are good role models. School is a place kids have to go, a place where ideally, at least, they can all access opportunities and resources. It's just a lot to put on teachers. Yeah, but don't all kids deserve to have some place in their lives where they can just be themselves? Any feelings come up, thinking about mad, sad, glad, fear, or shame? Carlos says that part of being a mentor to these boys is realizing they don't make progress in a straight line. His boys still get in fights. They still struggle with school. When you see them outside, they might look super, like, you know, they, they might act super rough. 
but then seeing like the care that they have for each other in the group is it's, it's really awesome. It's hard to quantify this work, to prove that something is changing. But Carlos catches glimpses it's working. There was a teacher, a math teacher, who came up to me um, last year. And, you know, she was like, you know, I have like three of your boys in, the, in, in class. And I'm not sure what it is exactly you're doing, but, you know, keep doing it. Because the way that they were helping each other, like it was, it was awesome. He sees it working, too, when a boy shares something heavy happening in his life during circle time. And Carlos asks, who in the group is willing to check in on him throughout the week? All hands go up. The problem is, a lot of boys are frustrated this is the only safe space. Angel, the eighth grader, says talking about feelings outside the group is definitely not cool. People would think of you as, like, weird. It doesn't feel too safe because like you feel like other people are going to make fun of you or something like that so there's always that mask on your face that's something ashanti sees a lot in this work he knows they're right in the real world boys men still need a mask but maybe that's slowly changing Is it fair to say that Ashanti hasn't made as much progress spreading this idea to other schools as he's wanted? Yeah, it's been slow going. He's actually considering changing the model, so he's working with community groups like the YMCA instead of schools. He's found that schools have so much staff turnover and budget changes that it's unfair to start an ever-forward club if it won't be sustained. That's a big statement about schools right now. Yeah. But in the meantime, for parents and teachers out there looking for ways to get started in this work, you can check out the Ever Forward Mask activity at kqed.org slash mindshift and in our show notes. Mindshift is produced by me, Katrina Schwartz. And me, Ki Sung. Our editor is Jessica Placek. Seth Samuel is our sound designer. Erica Aguilar is our head of podcasts. Ethan Lindsay is executive editor for News, and Holly Kernan is KQED's chief content officer. Special thanks to Ashanti Branch, Carlos Velasquez, and their students for being so fabulous, even during one of the most stressful moments in recent history. The mask activity scene came from the documentary, The Mask You Live In, produced by The Representation Project. Also, big thanks to Barry Friedman, Zed Friedman, and the folks at The Mankind Project. You heard Barry and Zed at the top of this episode. If you love MindShift, tell your friends about this podcast. I'm much more likely to check out something new if a friend recommends it to me. Thanks for listening. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid, and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just what we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio. It was always KQED. 
And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support.